Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. I just want to pop in here for a second before we get started with the show and just say the Patreon is live. So if you want to go over there and hang out with us on the Patreon, building that community, that's patreon.com backslash uh, conscious environment creation. So patreon.com backslash conscious environment creation. And over there we have promo codes for the bonfire site so you can get a little bit off on your merch, whatever you want to grab over there. But we have behind-the-scenes footage. You guys can vote on different topics. If you want to be the producer level, you can actually just have whatever you want me to make a podcast about within reason, and I will make it. So let's let's hang out together. I can't wait to keep building this community with you. All right, on with the show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Conscious Environment Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This week, I got a chance to talk about one of my favorite subjects in the entire world, film and television. I work in it. I live in it. I love watching it in the evenings. It's one of my favorite things that me and my wife do. But I got a chance to sit down with Anwar Ali. He's an actor, a writer, and an acting coach. And we talked about the experience of being black in Hollywood, what black Hollywood is. We talked about the heyday of the sitcom in the 90s and the early 2000s. We're also talking about black trauma films and whether or not we should or shouldn't watch them or do you need to? I don't know. Hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Just just go ahead with what's your name, what do you do, and where can people find you? Okay. Um, my name is Anwar Ali. I am an actor and writer and I also teach acting. Um uh, and uh, you can find me, I guess, so like social media, right? Like uh, at the Anwar Ali on all platforms. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. And just quick for the listeners, just spell that real quick. Oh, yes. Uh, so T-H-E-A-N-W-A-R-A-L-I. All right, cool. And if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, I'll have all the links and everything down below. But the reason why I wanted you uh, on here, the, the, the thing that I was like, I, I need to talk to him about this, is you, you are an actor, um, yeah. but you, a lot of your content you talk about not just like, it, you, you bring up a lot of, like my childhood almost, like kind of like the black experience of like what television was for us like and i mean man you brought up shows that i was like i forgot about that. <laughs> yeah um and black representation in the media has been like top of mind especially with like disney and the little mermaid and things like that but also like you know the kind of originals have been lending their you know the voices to black directors black writers um amazon and netflix are kind of trying to diversify their um you know their content for that so do you, it, what 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 is your opinion you know especially as being an actor being a writer yourself you know kind of working working in the field um it, are we going in the right direction is this not what hollywood needs like as a black actor when you see representation like this how does it make you feel like what do you think about it well, I, I mean, first of all, there's so many platforms and there's so much content out now. There's more content than there's ever been before. So there's so many opportunities. Mm. But because of that, you can oversaturate the market and it can like people miss these things. Because I was thinking about how um, 
back in the 90s, people used to pay for cable, and it might have been expensive in the 90s, but you, if you had cable, you paid for it, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's like there's so many streaming services that if you add them all up, it's a cable bill anyway. But right. if you, but, but like, everybody does, everyone does not have every single streaming service. So there's so many things that are out that are not being seen and aren't finding the audiences that would actually help push them to be the biggest successes that they can be. Um, plus on top of that, they don't necessarily get the right promotion so that people will get these streaming apps. Cause I know like Harlem is a show that is on Amazon prime. My friend is on it. It is so good. Obviously it got a second season. It's about to premiere. I think, um, yeah, maybe uh, I think in February, but, I know so many people that have never seen it and don't know what it is. I've never seen it, never heard of it. Yeah, it's about a friend group of four women, uh, Megan Good, uh, my friend Jerry Johnson. Uh, there's uh, Shaniqua Shande, and there's another actor on the show. She was on Empire. And I, what I remember is that there's so many people that just don't, even know this show exists and um what's crazy about it is that it's a show that would appeal to so many different people right it, it falls right in line with anybody who ever liked shows like friends living single right, right. it's just about a friend and they're in harlem you know but now most people do have amazon prime but the promotion for it has been just so up and down in my mind and then there's opportunities like there's so many shows like across all of them because i mean you got amazon prime you got Netflix, you got Hulu, you got Tubi, <laughs> you got you got all of them. You got Paramount Plus, BET Plus. I mean, BET Plus has a lot of little hidden gems, but most people don't have BET Plus. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, BET Plus was one that I I saw like the the advertisements or like the promotion for it. Uh, just kind of like gently on the fire stick, like just something came up and it was like, oh, add this on. And I was like, BT plus, what the hell is going to be? Uh, is, is there, I, I didn't even understand like what the streaming yeah. service was. Now it's kind of just like even prime, like within their system, they're kind of breaking it up so that like you pay for channels. And then that yeah. channel gets you access to like a bunch of stuff like owned by that like studio or whatever. Like the- yeah, yeah. Now because there's like um, there's like the all black channel. That's the name of it. it's all black, and it's on Amazon Prime. You can like order that. There's like shows. There's like um, there's a show called Lace on there. There's uh, there was um, I think a House Divided was on that channel. Was but it's like mm. it's so hard to even know this stuff exists or that it's happening. Right. Yeah. Um. BET Plus is funny because I know a lot of people thought BET Plus was just old episodes of sitcoms or like BET shows. So like if you want to watch Hell Day or like College Hill, you would get BET yeah. Plus. But like there's so many like there's actually films on there. Like Monique has a film called um, was it uh, the uh, I just uh, the, the the I don't even remember the title of it. it just it, it I just saw a trailer for it yesterday, but it's starring Monique. Like, oh yeah. yeah is that the so. movie that she's been trying to talk about for like the I feel like the last like couple of years she's been talking about some movie that's been like coming out like something's been in the works yeah no uh, so for, it's like, a, a it's a horror film so like monique you know she was talking about being essentially she was saying that she was blackballed or not even that she said she was blackballed but she said that lee daniel said she was blackballed and right. so she had opportunities come to her 
that um, didn't pay her her worth or what should be the standard for an actor that won an Oscar. And so right. she turned down a lot of opportunities. Like, so uh, this is like her coming back. And so I think this is a horror. This was an indie horror film that was hmm. actually executive produced by her and her husband. Lee Daniels' oh, cool. name is actually on it as well now, but I think he came on later to help sell the project. Oh. Um, but I know Monique was on this project from the grounds up, and it was an indie film. Like, it could have, in theory, been picked up to go to the theaters, whatever. but BET Plus picked it up, and so that's where it's going to be streaming um, next month. So, like, there's so many opportunities that I bet you most people don't even know that right. uh, that's happening, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I So BET is actually kind of like an an interesting thing to me because a lot of times when we talk about representation or something like that for the black community, that's always the thing. Y'all have BET. Y'all have BET. Y'all have BET. Um but the pushback I always kind of gave is like, I mean, sure, but like it's still owned by like a white guy. Like yeah. <laughs> like at, at the end of the day, like it's the decision maker is still like a white guy, like interpreting what black people want to watch or like what black people want to see. And the, the, the white people watch it too. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of the actual decision makers at BET, I will say this, it's owned by white people, but a lot of the decision makers and a lot of what gets on television is actually black. Like the day-to-day -day cool. overseers of what gets picked up and how things um, are marketed is usually the black people that work at BET. So I will say that. I think, because it's very easy to be like, well, BET is black-owned. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's white-owned, but I'm like, yeah. But all of it falls under the umbrella of Viacom, right. correct? But every, right, network, right, right, right. but every network has decision makers. And BET is, at this moment in time, uh, primarily run by black people on the day-to-day. So I will say that awesome. that's really that's the thing about BT that a lot of people never talk about. And um BT's nothing it's not too different from something like TV One or that's in fact I will say that BET is actually getting stronger at um depicting the wide range of the experience of being black. Um mm -hmm. I think at one time they were chasing other networks. I think now with the invention of BET Plus, it's more about just let's just capture the black audience, you know? And right. the wide range of it, you know? Yeah, because I mean, even just you talking about Monique is in a indie horror movie, like yeah. that is almost unheard of, you know. It, I mean, we have kind of, you know, the darlings. We have Jordan Peele. Um, oh my gosh, who was the writer on the um, Candyman? It's a woman, and I should uh, remember uh, her name. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the, yes, yeah. the 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 actual person that wrote Candyman is yeah. a black woman. They used Jordan Peele's yeah, name to sell them to sell the movie, but like that's that's who it was, and uh, and so was the the director. Um, that movie, I think it's in theaters still right now. Megan, yeah, the, the backwards three. That's uh, co-written by a black woman and. Um, I think James Wan, but that also feels like another, like using this name to kind of sell the movie, but also get these people in front of, uh, in, an audience or like bring, get their work out more. Um, and the studios, like, we're going to use this, uh, this other name to Definitely. just kind of, to, to pull it along and give it a little bit more, um, uh, behind the marketing. 
definitely. I think, but, um, yeah, Akila, Cor- Ak- Akila Cooper, she wrote, um, yes, um, yes, yes, yeah, 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 that's it, that's it, that's it. I knew we'd get there. Um, so it, when we're focusing on I've had this conversation the last, I guess, a couple of days with people, like the difference between like racial integration and cultural representation. Hmm. So a lot of times it feels like we, like, yes, we got black people on screen. Like, I'll, um, I'll say this. A lot of, you, you've brought up some stuff that I'm like, I forgot about these movies, but there's a lot of, um, I was just talking to my wife about it. Uh, when we first got Disney Plus, that I hadn't seen, like most of the Disney Plus, uh, like most of the Disney original films, like I never watched any of them, because right. I was like I I remember being a little kid feeling like I don't see myself, and if I do see myself, it's one of two characters, it's either <laughs> it's either the famous Jet Jackson or Urkel. Those were the only two archetypes of like black people that felt like were like in that in that realm, like on screen. It was like either yeah. suave and and in um, super hypersexualized, or it's completely decent. really really smart but goofy <laughs> beyond any normal person. Right. So, do you think that? Like, uh, with with shows like which controversial or not, whatever uh, shows like Blackish or um, uh, honestly, I, I'm I'm kind of blanking on 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 a few more that that are even like this. Do you think we're moving more towards cultural representation? Um, oh, man, there was another really good one that uh, I can't. I think it's i think it's just called family reunion and oh, i yeah. think it's on netflix it's on netflix yeah um uh, are you talking about like sitcoms uh i mean kind of kind of it kind of everything i guess like are we seeing more cultural representation do you think or are we seeing just more black people on screen <laughs> um I, I i mean i i will say this like a I think we're seeing more black people on screen but i do think that we are getting more of a wider range of what blackness is and can be um mm-hmm. not necessarily in sitcom form because there's not too many sitcoms in general but uh like in general like or especially not like multi-cam sitcoms like the closest you do have is something like family reunion but i've never actually seen family reunion uh i just know it exists but mm-hmm. i think i think through film and television i think we are starting to see that black people are i mean I think it's representing that black people are not a monolith. It's not just. I think in the '90s, a lot of a lot of shows like Family Matters, mm-hmm. they had white writers. And the thing is, in some episodes of Family Matters, you can't tell me that those was that was not a white family. Right. Just, it was just a white family with some black people placed in those situations. Because in a way, all sitcoms it was a Miller Boyette sitcom. Right. It was no different than Full House. It just happened. To have a black family and the intention of having family matters on tv was just that they wanted a abc wanted a black family because they didn't have a black family sitcom they just like we need one we need to tap into the cosby show market right so yes now because i think now black people are behind these projects more than ever and i think what we really need beyond just seeing black people on screen is we need black people behind the camera 
We need black people that are writers. We need black people that are, we really need black people that are the decision makers and black people that are green lighting these projects. But yeah, I think what's, what's happening now is black people are just telling the stories. And so there's a diverse, right. wider range because it's coming from black people. Even something like the Miss Pat show. It's like you would think a show like that would not be diverse, but they represent the wide spectrum of blackness in the main character, the main cast. Like they don't feel like anything you would have ever got in the 90s. Right. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, 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 I agree. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think of... I, th- I feel like Family Reunion is, I think, why you kind of have, there's like a mixed response on, on whether or not people like it, is because it's very reminiscent of like the early knots uh, sitcom style, which I don't know if it, I don't know if it holds up right now, like if it plays the same way, like a lot of camp um but that's that was kind of like the style like think of like my wife and kids or like the hughley's it like definitely like in that vein it's a family there's like four different locations and most of them are around the house and they just walk from one room to another room and shenanigans happens every week and then they get through it and there's some sort of heart to heart in the middle of the episode one of them learns a lesson and then that's it and I think a lot of people are kind of down with that formula because it's something that I just want to jump off of something that you said. We we watched a lot of white sitcoms in the late 90s do that same thing. <laughs> and I think it feels hollow, like watching it now, uh, especially like in our climate right now, like kind of watching it and being like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, this feels like it feels it feels weird it feels like you guys are calling back to something that that should have been gone or is gone and um it it kind of <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like the beef that people had uh, and i think i've heard you talk about this a bunch uh the beef that people had like when friends came out oh, and yeah. they were like this is just living single <laughs> 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 Listen, I mean, hey, are they lying? If it is, yeah, <laughs> but I think, I think, but what was different about even even an example of like Friends or Living Single? It doesn't matter, black or white. I think they were just strongly written shows. They were they were just mm-hmm. they there was a little bit more intention behind them. There were less networks. Here's the thing: there was less networks. There was less content. So you had to be good to last. Because right. people were just going to go to another network. Now it's like, people just watch whatever they want. They have the streaming platforms that they have. They're going to watch Netflix or they're just used to watching. I think the way we watch television television has changed, you know? And I think, yeah, I mean, that was the difference. Like, there's so much out. Like, you could be crap and just stay on for a little bit longer. Uh, I don't know if Family Reunion is good or not. I've never seen it. But what I know is that it is nominated for the the children and family Emmys, which means that Netflix does not see it as like a top notch primetime show. They've literally okay. relegated it to like the kids categories. So Netflix is not giving it the budget. I know that. And right. they and they are not they don't have to promote it because they got the little audience that they got and they're literally never gonna change it. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. 
<laughs> so it's, they're not gonna back then like if a show wasn't like the network would get behind it and be like okay we we need to change this we need to improve it the show is exactly what it's ever gonna be right 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 yeah, yeah exactly uh some uh someone brought up in the the comments abbott elementary uh and that one that was kind of like a like a sleeper hit a little bit um like people really really liked it but it, when award season came around last year i don't think anybody was expecting it to to walk away with so many emmys or get nominated and then leave with them <laughs> after but that's a show that um i kind of want your opinion on a, a little bit of a controversy that surrounded the show so that mm. show i think does a really does a really good job of showing black culture like you can't make abbott elementary and make everybody white i know there's white cast members but i don't think you could make that show and make it a school in the suburbs and have it be the same show no, like absolutely. i think the culture the city culture the fact that it's a bunch of black kids that they're dealing with most of the time um and they they do not shy away from uh, the racial implications of the white teachers trying to teach black students and struggling with it. There's one character, it's a reoccurring thing. But uh, this was kind of rumor mill stuff. I don't know how true it is. Uh, but something I heard kind of right around the time that it was getting the Emmy uh, last year. So I guess this time last year, uh, they were talking about an episode that the writers threw out that it was i think it was a note from the studio uh like a suggestion or somebody came up with this idea that like maybe they should tackle um like school like school yeah, yes, yeah 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 okay uh, so yeah well, yeah think, they, you take take off take off you know, <laughs> I, 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 I want, I want that your was, was a lot of opinion on it yeah, I think a lot of people were suggesting that. I think it was Twitter. I don't think ABC wants that because I don't think they want to step into that because mm -hmm. it will change the entire direction of the show and they like where the show is going. I think there were people saying that we need to touch on this on television. There's these. This is happening. It's a show about a school. And it's like, okay, but that's not what this show's intention is. And what has made Abbott Elementary so successful is because it is so clear about what it is trying to do. Number one, I've, it's got... Quinta, Brun Quinta Brunson is behind every single decision of that show. And you could tell. I like I love that so much. <laughs> but like she came in with like, this is what the show is, this is what the show is gonna be. She knew what she wanted, she knew what audience she wanted to hit. And to me, Abbott Elementary is a show that is culturally specific, which allows it to be universal. Through specificity, there is universality, which means when you tell a story that is so unique and different everybody can connect to it ultimately i think like some like squid game that's very culturally specific but everyone was watching it and somehow tapped into it i right. think with abbott elementary quinta brunson what it is quinta brunson is unapologetically black she may not be any stereotypical idea of it but like that is what's interesting about blackness is that we just need black people that like being black. We need black people that embrace being black, that are working. And they might be black nerds, they might be black, they might be awkward, but they're black. And that mm -hmm. and that is what I think really shines through with the show. It kind of reminds me of like 
what's the show that like something like Amen, like a black sitcom that feels very culturally black and very specific that isn't trying to be black like it's clearly not made for the white gays you know what i'm saying like it's not like no no like no shade the blackish but you could tell like they were teaching an audience about blackness like the, <laughs> the, the head nod episode i was like well, that ain't for me i know that. Uh, i know i, that. I, don't, I mean i don't want i I'll throw a little bit of shade at Blackish. I that was one of my big critiques of the show, Mixedish, and all like every single one of them. Like, um, um, what's his name? The the creator, Sasha Barrett, or Sasha? His, oh, Kenya Bears. Oh, Kenya Bears. Yeah. Um, a bunch of the stuff that he that he does. Uh, and I've read like a lot of like his writings. I watched. Um, he had he had that did you ever did you ever watch that show about him it was super meta it was about him and it was supposed to be this like um i guess like uh, not found footage like this real like faux reality show kind of yeah yeah and it just followed him and his family around and he was writing a new sitcom but the sitcom that he was writing was the thing that we were watching it was very meta but he took shots at himself and talked about like how he wasn't super happy with blackish and like the way that it came out and like how like how it was received how it was portrayed and like dealing with this idea of like being a sellout or whatever to like a bunch of different uh to to the black community but that show like yes that that i guess that was my biggest critique of the show was that it felt like it was not for me but it kept telling me that it was for me but then i would watch it and i would go hmm, this isn't for me this i know it's written by a black guy but it feels like an idea of what a white guy thinks black people are like and honestly if it just owned the fact that it was for white people we probably would enjoy it even more because it would feel like we're in on a joke Right? right like like it would be making fun like of this is a black sitcom for, i'm i don't know i'm just talking but like i think with blackish specifically it, it it's it's clearly it's just made from the white gays they describe things they tell us things that black people inherently know something that abbott elementary never does like what I, I don't even know who said this but like i think it was tony morrison said if you mention the kitchen in the back of the hair you shouldn't describe what that is that you're writing. Because if you describe what that is, clearly you're talking to white people. But if you just say, in my kitchen, in my back, my head, and then keep on with the conversation, mm-hmm. white people are going to be forced to actually learn who you are and get to know you if they're interested, which is going to create a more stable audience. I think with something like Blackish, it's like, it didn't even get as celebrated as Abbott Elementary is, even though Abbott Elementary is completely owning his blackness. And why is that? Because black, because um, Abbott Elementary is just being what it is. It's just giving you entertainment. It's a show. You know what I mean? It's, It's giving you a very specific story. I mean, think about it. Like, how many things have you seen about white people where you don't fully understand what they're talking about, but because you are just drawn into this story, you follow it and you keep watching it. Right. 
those are the best, that's the best work. And we're no different. And, and we feel like the way to bridge the gap between black and white audiences t- is to teach white audiences something. That's, that's, that's doing a disservice to ourselves and to them. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Um, this kind of makes me think of, a. um, I think it's Denzel Washington. Um, I'm going to paraphrase this quote, but, uh, they were asking and they were saying, yeah, cause it was when he was promoting fences yeah. and the interviewer was asking him saying like, do you think it's like, why do you feel as though you needed a black director to be able to do this justice and he was like you know uh martin scorsese did the godfather and steven spielberg did schindler's list and i think scorsese could have done a good job with schindler's list and uh, spielberg could have done a good job with the godfather but there was cultural differences and little nuances that made the direction as powerful as it is and he's like if i talk about um, the, the, the smell of grease and the hot comb hitting the back of your head and the sizzle. He's like, he's like, black people don't have to imagine what that is. They just, they just remember what that is. Like the, it's like uh, black culture. It's so ingrained in there. Like if you haven't experienced that or you don't know what that, what we're talking about, how you're, you're, you're going to be lost. So how could you as a director lead lead with that like how could you direct somebody with a topic that you honestly don't like you don't fully understand like think about it a director is on set and they're learning as they're going rather than just doing because like i think Mm. you you know people love the movie crooklyn right you know why people like the movie because it's about the details there's so many small details in that film that if it wasn't a spike lee film it would just been a story about a black girl Right. It would have been like the general story. Like sometimes these films that are directed by um, that have white directors that are about black people, sometimes they're actually good or like the story is there. But there's just no the details aren't there. You know what I mean? And I think. Like, I don't know black people love color purple, but if a <laughs> black director made that movie, they would have said. So, uh, hey, so. uh why they not speaking English at the end? Like, why? What? Like, what? Are, like, what are we doing? What story are we telling? That is something that right. is so clearly a white decision. Because in the original novel, when Celie's kids come back, they mm-hmm. they're speaking English. They're speaking English, but they literally they don't speak English, or at least it's not clear English in the actual film. And it's like, what was that decision? What is that? De- what is that decision actually saying? Right. Yeah. What is it like that they can't be they they can't be multilingual? Mm. We don't need to know that they're speaking another language. Like come they're here for a very short amount of time. They are just supposed to connect with their mama. Let them speak English and let them connect. That is it. That's all it needs to be. But what story are we telling, right? Um, and I think a black filmmaker would have thought about that. It's just little things like that. Doesn't mean it's not a good film, but yeah. I think uh, somebody's bringing up in the in the comments that Black Panther, uh, directed by a white director, would have been a totally different movie, and I can't agree more. I just finally just saw the second one, um, Black Panther two, just uh, about a week ago, and the 
cult the little details that they put in the film like because there's a lot of just city shots just the there's the streets of wakanda just looking at what the city looks like and what they're doing and the tiny tiny details that you that, that you see and you're like yeah yeah yeah, that's real. That's a, and it makes me think of uh, Trevor Noah when he was when he was talking about watching the movie for the first time, and he was like, "That's that's my language. This is for me. This part of the movie is for me." And I think that's such a such a beautiful and like amazing thing. And I don't I I I don't think at the helm. I don't think a a white creator could be able to capture that nuance that black people pick up innately about their own culture. Yeah, but, but speaking and, of the the color and like talking and, about them being ashy, they talked about being ashy. It's little lines like that. Uh, if you don't <laughs> No, for real, though, think about it. Like they're like that's not for white people. That's for black people. Those lines. Mm-hmm. Like white people might be lost and, and we're not afraid for them to be lost while watching this movie. We're talking about ashiness right now. It's for right. black people, and w- and when black people know it's for them, th- <laughs> like that's the best work, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes you want to tear up in the theater. Yeah, like them dabbing each other up, like every like every little small detail that they did is just amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 designer, um, Ruthie Carter, she. Everything that she touched in that film is amazing and beautiful and yeah. unique, but it feels like home. Like a lot of people that, um, you know, a lot of my friends from from overseas talking about the film and they're just like, Wakanda looks like a place I've been to. Like Wakanda looks like parts of Kenya. Wakanda looks like cities in South Africa. Wakanda looks like cities in Ethiopia. Like they 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 didn't just make up something completely because they they knew what they were talking about the right. whole time and it wasn't just like a generic africa some big orange place like there's some big right. orange place like where everybody's just got like it, a fake africa that we've all seen before like in media no they right. they didn't go there they didn't do that no no yeah, yeah not at all and um you 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 brought up the color purple, and I kind of wanted to bring up that style of movie or like movies kind of adjacent to it. So we all we also see a lot, like we do. We have our Black Panthers, and we have our Abbott Elementaries. We have our our lighthearted shows or shows that deal with drama, but it it it's fine and through the lens of the Black experience. But also we have this kind of flip. Like, Emancipation just came out with Will Smith, and I don't think anybody's seen that movie. I don't know anybody that watched it. I I, I, a, I, I literally just did a video where I said, uh, I said, Antoine Fuqua, he directed that movie, Emancipation, with Will Smith, that none of y'all saw. And, like, somebody <laughs> actually got upset by that comment saying it was disrespectful, and if I saw the movie, I would learn something. I said, I didn't say, I didn't see the movie. I just said that nobody saw the movie. It's a fact. Like, right. We yeah, but yeah, the things like you talk about like what they the, the the black trauma movies. Yeah, the black trauma movies. So is is that like I I think certain stories need to be told, and 
I think there's a place for them, but it feels sometimes gratuitous. Like, should we move away from those things? Like, what do you, what do you think? Somebody saying in the comments right now, I'm tired of those movies. I think I feel I, like black people are exhausted by those movies. I just think that if we had more representation and more and a wider spectrum of ideas placed out as films and in the media, like it wouldn't bother us so much. In theory, um, I think it's because I don't think it's so much that we get so many slave movies. I just think it's that those are sometimes our main movies. Those are the movies that usually get the most attention. They're the films that get the most awards. They're the films that we are supposed to consider our great classic films. I'll be honest. I got a friend. He's a filmmaker. He's white. And I'm really learning a lot about how white people in this industry think through him. He actually thinks, and he is, like, he's he's very self-aware. He is a white guy that is anti-racist. He does anti-racist work. He, but he still thinks in white, right? So, right. and what I mean by that is the only films and television series that he ever sees that are about black people tend to be white critic approved, white male critic approved films. Oh, right. And so what happens with, I think what we're sick of is our most, our biggest budgets, our most promotion and our most acclaim and awards going to those films. Right. And they're not just a part of like, if, if we've never had a, I mean, we've had maybe a few that came close, but we've never had a black actor win an Oscar for a role that did not have to be a black actor. They win for historical mm. films. They win for trauma. They win, you know, I mean, then occasionally you'll get something like Angela Bass for Wakanda Forever, which is pretty good because, you know, she had to be black, but it's a different kind of experience. But we don't get that experience celebrated on screen. Uh, and I think that's really what it is. It's about, and it's about like, so I don't know. I think those stories have a right to be told. I think actually they are teaching a lot of people history that maybe they wouldn't read in a book. I think um, Till came out. Listen, I have a close connection to a lot of these films. I know, I know Danielle Deadweiler. So of mm -hmm. course I'm going to see the film. Of course I'm going to celebrate it. But the right. thing is like, I also understand why people are not going to see it. I understand why. And I think that we have to be cool with these films being made and they're being, and they're for the audience that they're for. And if you can't watch it or you, it's not that they don't need to be made. It's that, that we shouldn't have them. It's just that you, they're not for you right now. You know, I think, and absolutely right. that, and that's valid. We see a lot of trauma. We don't need to see, or we already know these stories. So we don't have to see this story, but I think it doesn't hurt to actually have the films made. It's just that, Ultimately, they're considered the best films or, or or get the most attention. Kind of that Oscar bait sort of thing. Like, we all know the, the movies that they're going to, whenever they do, like, some sort of collection of, all oh, these are all the Oscar-nominated movies, you're just like, okay, well, here's 12 hours of super sad movies. Yeah. Like, uh, just heavy dramas. Like, nothing light ever really goes that way. So, it... it it feels like a lot of our acclaimed films are always just like the worst things that are happening. And somebody brought up uh, in the comments, somebody brought up um, white saviorism in these in these films as well. Oh, yeah. um, and I I just like you to touch on that one that jumps into my head is Green Book oh. uh, because they 
they like changed that story to 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 fit that character into that into that white savior role and that one was kind of like the wildest like egregious example yeah i could think of uh but what's your what's your opinion on those on on white savior films in general or uh, like um or or that one Uh, listen green book (laughs) it was what it was i mean whatever i like i the acting was great Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean it was a i mean it told a very familiar hollywood story um i think uh white savior films like the thing is i think a lot of people like the white savior films in the 90s when it was like stuff like dangerous minds because there was still something a little authentic about aspects of it um mm-hmm. they like dangerous minds or like uh, what's a what's a white savior film from the they were also a lot more rare at the time mind you like we didn't have as many like white savior films have been made since um since they started telling race relation stories for the most part, right? Mm. Um, our our first race related films were things like In the Heat of the Night, um, right? Or like uh, what was it? Guess who's coming to dinner? Where they're f- through the white perspective, right? right? So those were our first race related films. I think we are getting kind of sick of like the trauma films, but then in a way that is also us telling our own stories for the first time, I think. So a lot of you have to understand that like something like Till, that's a story that's never actually been told on film. And if Hollywood wasn't Hollywood in it, it probably would have got made sometime in the eight. It should have shouldn't that film have been made in the seventies or the eighties? Like take a yeah, step back. Yeah. yeah. So the nineties should be a classic that we're that we've been talking about for thirty years. Right. Like why is why are we why have we not had films until the twenty twenties about right. that story? So I think what's happening is we're getting so many of them at once when this should have been part of the fabric of film history already. Mm. So I think yeah. like that like I think it all ties in together about like why savior films? They be um they be funny. Like I be I'll laugh at one. <laughs> like the help was the white savior movie. And they really tried to convince us in the promotional campaign that it was not. They were like, no, Viola Davis and um, Octavia Spencer were like, no, this is a story about the Blades. Later on, they were like, no, it was, you didn't, they didn't really tell us. We we, we knew what it was. (laughs) We just wanted to get, we just wanted to get the award so we could make better decisions. Like, please. Like, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But, give Octavia that, <laughs> give her that little statue so that we can get her in a bunch of other stuff that I love too. <laughs> like, right. But like the White Savior films, it really, all it is, is a lot of times what it is, is Hollywood believing that people are not going to come see a black story if they don't have a white face to filter the story through. Right. Um, and as you can see, something like Abbott Elementary actually shows that sometimes the best work about black people does not have that. Yes, there's some white people on the show, but it's clearly not from their perspective. The white people are depicted as white people from, through black eyes. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. And so Like, like that opinion of like how, like how a black teacher sees her white coworkers. Yeah. You're like, um, like, so the Hughleys was one of them, like the blackest shows that was on TV. I'm surprised, I'm surprised it ever actually got picked up at all because it was on <laughs> in the 90s. But like that was an example, like that was one of the closest things you have to something like, um, like 
there were so many black sitcoms in the 90s. Right. That's the thing. There were a lot of black sitcoms in the 90s that were from the black perspective. That's why black people love Martin, because yeah. it was just a black show by black people for black people. And it's so right. obvious. Like that 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 cultural specificity just permeates through. And the thing is, Martin is so successful today, not only because black people love it, but because over time it has been in syndication and so many white people have seen it. And what I think they're realizing is that it would have been even more successful if they tried to make it a universal <laughs> show for everybody. Martin is actually a show. It, it, first off, it was not any more risque than a lot of the other shows by, um, about white people um, that were really successful. Um, Living Single and Martin, and that's one of the reasons why they did the thing with Friends, because the truth is, Martin and Living Single are two of the most culturally specific shows that have ever been on, and yet they are enduring, and people love them still. So why is that? And so I think... Um, the white savior aspect is Hollywood not learning the damn lesson that people just <laughs> that if you make it and it's good, they gonna come and they're gonna watch it. And um, yeah, no. So like, I mean, even like Black Panther, like there's the white savior aspect isn't there. White savior films sometimes do well, but no, I mean, yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with that. I just wanted to. So like, <laughs> that. cultural specificity versus the white savior aspect like right <laughs> i mean yeah some 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 of them do okay like but i i i just think of we don't even have to name it, it because there were so many of them i'll just describe this it was it was a it was an inner city school heavy air quotes on inner city school uh with a bunch of black kids and maybe there was a sports team that they played on. It could have been basketball or football, mostly black kids that played on it. And they had to get rid of their coach because of, like, budget cuts or something like that. But there was a white guy or sometimes a white lady that was like, I'll come in and coach them for free. And and because they didn't, they never got that perspective before, they, they learned something new and they were able to win the big game. Come on. That that I I described like at least five or six movies just now. I don't. <laughs> you said white lady. I said sunset park. We're real problem. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hard hardball sunset oh, park. Hardball. Um. Oh man, there's there there's so many of those. But I controversy with hardball. Okay, so fun story about hardball. Um, I'm from Chicago. That was filmed in Chicago. They didn't uh -huh. cast me in that movie because I didn't know how to play baseball, but I came close enough. But, like, my classmate was in that movie. Uh, oh, really? He played Jefferson Albert Tibbs, Julian Griffith. And I remember when the movie was made, I remember there was, like, so much controversy because they had the kids cussing. Like, they were cussing a lot. And I was like, this is realistic for kids in this area to cuss, but, like, it's not common for movies to depict to depict kids right. in general of this age talking like that. The movie right. got an R rating because of the cuss words. And so they had to re-edit out. They had to like, because Paramount was like, we're not about to put this movie out here with all these kids cussing and get an R rating when kids are going to be the driving <laughs> force of the movie. And so they actually had to redub all of, a lot of lines. So if you pay attention, you can see the cuss words, like the mouths don't match and everything mm -hmm. that, that was a movie of, and but like they did that just to show how gritty it was with this white man coming in i know what they were doing and um and it and it almost made that film completely bomb at the box office because just how 
gritty they tried to make it so that he could save them, you know? Yeah, Harbaugh. <laughs> Oh man, I didn't I didn't know that because I the only time I ever watched it was like on cable TV. Like I I watched it on TV, so the words not matching up. Like you know you get those overdubs of like like the cuss words, and it's like you mother father. <laughs> it would just be crazy. But that's what they uh, did. The movie was in theaters. It looks like that in some parts if you actually pay attention. Oh man, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that about that movie. Um. Yeah, that's wild. And and I guess, like, yeah, in the 70s and 80s, we did have black black exploitation films. That is a terrible name for just like black made low budget films that really heavily leaned into big characters. But those characters were always just black as hell. Like it, it, it was it was who they were, but they were they were still always caricatures and and written yeah. by black folks to be over the top on purpose um so we did have that and then i feel like in the 90s we got this kind of reprieve but that's when we started roots then and um i can't even think i can't even think of the other ones but just it, we we started having more films talking about you know talking about like trauma and stuff like that and something i always just advice to give to people is like the series um did you did you watch how they was it how they see us when they see us or when they see us yeah i we um, me and my wife we started it i think i made it maybe 20 minutes into the first episode and i had to turn it off like i think it came out uh it didn't come out in like 2020 or late 19 i think it was uh it was 2019 i think yeah yeah, yeah. and and i just i i couldn't watch it and i felt so guilty that yeah. i couldn't watch it because i was like oh man i'm supposed to support black like this is the show like we're we're supposed to be supporting each other and it, it, I, I i gotta watch this i gotta consume this and yeah. i i saw someone make a uh, a good point uh at, at that time saying like if it's if it's gonna harm you or it's gonna hurt you it's okay to take a break from it, even in our entertainment seeing black trauma like we see black trauma yeah all the time online everywhere on the news on the radio like we we experience black trauma constantly it's okay if your entertainment you also don't want to see that or you don't yeah. want to to watch that so be kind to yourself take a break take a step back if you need to um and but i i agree with you i didn't even think about it like that those movies those those stories do need to be told and i don't think it you should we should hold back from telling those stories or having that media out there even if it is hard sometimes for us to consume it ourselves you know what I mean? yeah yeah and i think um and so it makes sense like you obviously if if it's not if listen the, the nervous system doesn't know any difference so like actually seeing some trauma happen in front of you or in a real life video is not too different from seeing depicted on a film Right. So, so, but 
also we don't want to we don't want ourselves to see it so much that we get so desensitized to it that it actually isn't affecting us in that way right mm -hmm. so obviously you need to take a step back you need to because that's actually not only what protects you but it also what keeps you from losing the impact of it uh I, I, that's how i think of it like not only do you need to step away to protect yourself you need to step away so that you don't become so used to this that it doesn't affect you anymore mm, you know yeah. Yeah. we don't want black trauma to become horror just and i think that's right. where people had an issue with that um the prime series um them because it was yes. promoted it was promoted as horror and in some ways it did have horror elements but it was it really did use trauma as horror and it's like are we so like how is wh what is this who is this affecting and how and who did you make this for because for us we don't need to see this in this way and this isn't this isn't this is real life horror and we don't need to depict it in this i think that's where a lot of the drama came from with that one um because you know lena way she got some she <laughs> Lena White, she's special, you know. Uh, <laughs> Somebody saying in the comments, "Tales from the Hood" and "Get Out" does it the best. Um, I, I, I agree. I love "Get Out." Um, I think "Get Out" is a is a great way of talking about that, like that that situation that we that that, that we've all been in, that awkward party or something like that, right? I think Get Out does a beautiful job of making you feel that. But at the end of the day, the horror is still something that if the characters, if the characters, I'm cautious saying this, but if the characters were white, I think you could change a few things about the story and still have the same exact movie. And yeah. I think that was Jordan Peele's point. Like he's going to he's going to set the framework up as as racism is the framework. But and that's how we're gonna tell the story. But I think I think what people liked about it was the horror element of it was still horrifying versus with them the horror element of it is just horrifying for black people like white people yeah. could watch them and be like hmm like that's i i can sympathize but you know that's it, it yeah. could literally never happen to them and them also it, it creates a repulsion rather than like an actual fear and I think that's different too, because it le because what Get Out Get Out is just a creepy story, right? So like you could be a white person watching that movie, and be like, oh my god, could you imagine taking somebody's brain out, and putting it in somebody else's body? Like literally, if you take the race right. element out of it, it's just scary. The concept, right? Of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exa exactly. And and he's successfully done that with the rest of his films, and that's what he's was talking about when he first. It said like you know I I got six in the can I got <laughs> like I I'm as long as people keep giving me money I'm gonna keep making these movies, and one of the one of the things that he said is, and, and this kind of ties back into representation, but he talked about he wanted black people in his films, but he wanted it to not be remarkable, like he wanted their blackness to not be a plot point but they are black and they act black 
Like, he didn't want to make white characters black people. He wanted to make black characters who are culturally black, they act black. Like, I just think of, like, the dad in Us. Or the fact that that movie, the theme song, is I Got Five on it. Like, that is the main theme, the the thematic orchestral um, uh, playing of that entire movie like the movie like top to bottom was just like these are all black like you gonna know that this movie is about black people uh and culturally it's about black people and black people's experience but the thing that happens the horrifying thing that happens is terrifying for everybody involved yeah and race is not actually race is not a factor in the horror at all it's just um or if it is like it's not it can happen. It's happening to everybody. It's affecting the world. This is a global problem. We're just following black people specifically with this story. I think that's, um, I think, but like, isn't that all black material that is actually something like Abbott Elementary? They don't talk about being black on the show. We just right. know it's black. Like, very rarely is race actually a topic of conversation and i'm like that's actually how black people are and live when black people are in a space together they don't talk about being black most of the time <laughs> right exactly. we are black we don't talk about being black and right. or, or we may not be having a racial experience like we're black what we're literally just having an experience if something um like if somebody breaks in and tries to get us we're going to have a black experience of that situation, right? But we're, it's not a racial experience. And I think we need more films like that. Where, like, yeah. the black people are just ultimately, like, it's we're just following, we're just following black people in a situation, in a, in, in a story that ultimately has nothing to do with race. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that's kind of a better way to put it. I've I've been racking my brain trying to, trying to, like, explain representation in that way without making it sound like degrading but i think that's what it is like having these characters be culturally black and do black things but their blackness is not a plot point in the film it's yeah. just they're gonna act black because they are black <laughs> like that's the that's and that's like all. you and you could pull black people out put white people in it you could tell the same story it's just gonna be a different film that's what right. we need. That is cultural specificity, and that is in turn what is the universality which connects people to the films. That's why people like them because it's like something like um, I think Friday is a great film. Friday is a great example of like you may change a few things here and there, but like ultimately this is just a very culturally specific black story. Mm -hmm. But it's not about them being black. Maybe you can't place white people in that situation. Like you can't. Maybe white people don't live in this area. It's about a black neighborhood. Right. But the, right. but but you can watch that story and just follow the story that they're telling. Because somewhere out there, you maybe had an experience similar to this. It's just not the black version. And I think right. um, you're right. And like it, it sounds, it sounds silly saying like the black version or the white version. But like I'm just, I'm just saying like true representation is us just existing right yes exactly yeah. and um actually i just lost my train of thought but it so we we've been talking about like a bunch of 
different different movies over the course of time and we talked a lot about well a little bit about like sitcoms and stuff like that uh so to it, to kind of steamroll into the end of this episode it, my you are probably my biggest source for black sitcoms, especially in the nineties. So I don't forget nothing. Uh, and we had like a golden age, like that was a great time for sitcoms in general. And I think we got a lot of our really good work. So is there anything or a style or anything that you would bring back? Like what's, what's one that you're like, if we could, if we could reboot anything, Wait, what 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 would your reboot film be? See, I'm I, I don't or wanna, uh, or a show. I, I don't want to actually reboot anything because <laughs> I like everything had its time and its place. But like, I was thinking earlier today, man, I would have loved to have been in college when a different world was on, because like that experience, like what was that experience of um, being in school or or maybe even being in high school and about to go. To college or university like what would that have experienced to see yourself in that light on screen with a different world like you know remove all the Whitley and the uh the the, the like when, like just the concept of college and talking about real life issues that are happening we're not talking about that first season of a different world no but like from season <laughs> two on of a different world like how can we um get that back on screen where we get people excited about uh, what is happening in the world while um, while just being funny at the same time. Like, how, how can we, like, bridge the gap without being preachy with, about it, too? Because I think um, A Different World talked about essentially what is Black trauma without getting traumatic with it half the time. You know what I mean? Right. And I think we can stand to have, in general, a lot more comedy that touches on these issues or that um, goes into these kinds of conversations so that we can not traumatize ourselves so much while actually trying to grow. You know, I think we need humor in it. I like, that's why I like some people on uh, TikTok who just are really funny with their education. I think ultimately like that is what we need. We need the, the education to be entertaining again. We need education yeah. to be entertaining again. To actually yes. be entertainment, because ultimately this is a, a a medium where people are trying to be entertained, and I think just to like in terms of like sitcoms, and I I know I'm getting a little off topic, but what oh, I think God. what what happened is film got so gritty, and so we feel like we need to tell like really gritty depictions or like really accurate depictions of these stories because as you said roots happened in the 70s roots was also on abc as a miniseries so there was only so deep they could go they, they couldn't show everything but now we because film is allowing us to show so much i think people are trying to show the truth so much and like they're right. trying to they, they they think that's the way to like oh and what I do appreciate about the movie Till, they didn't show any of that. They didn't show any of the um, the carnage. They didn't show the abuse. We don't need to see that because the impact will be felt anyway. Now, it's not a funny film. But right. ultimately, I do think we need to just bring the entertainment back and find the way that we can meet telling our stories, telling history, or telling what current events while still being entertaining while also having things like 
nope or uh, right yeah us but like how can we just how can we bring the entertainment back yeah um it, it, someone in the comment is saying like bring back reading rainbow and i don't know if you've heard of uh gracie's corner i have kids so i listen to gracie's corner constantly and it is just it's nursery rhymes and you know kind of the fairy tale songs that we all know um but done in a very black way i mean that there's there's not another way to say it it's they're done in a very black way and i i think that that is like a beautiful thing especially for for young black kids and i try to kind of reach out and you know show my kids these uh, like these images you know hopefully but i do think i do think we're getting better in a lot of ways because there's a lot more content that i can show my daughters that i never had when i was a kid like as far as like representation goes like i never i i i didn't have that many that many black heroes or that many black people um that i could just continuously watch or want to watch or see like there was there was the sitcoms there was those things but especially as a kid like kid shows there wasn't a ton of it but now it feels like it's just not everywhere but they, there's there there there's a lot more than there was before somebody in the comments brought up a um brought up a series that did get rebooted but they did the gritty thing have you seen bel air yeah, 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 yeah. And how it it was, you know, it took a little fun sitcom and it got gritty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the real life story of what would happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, like what 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 was supposed to happen or how how was he supposed to be? I didn't get a chance to actually watch it because I I just felt like I was like I I, I don't want to keep seeing like gritty gritty shows and things like that like kind of i don't know it, it it might be great i heard that it was good i heard that it was bad i heard like you know that's a beaut that but i think what is happening and what i do appreciate not just about that show is just that i think we're getting more content where if you're black you will find what is for you because the truth is we always say we're not a monolith well that means we're not gonna be able to always enjoy every single thing that like everything that's black is not for us and that's okay you know um i think we all lead very different lives and have different experiences and so we're going to naturally connect to different things and i think the more we also own that the more actually we'll be able to connect to each other's stories and enjoy it for what it is rather than trying to force ourselves into feeling like oh this is a black i'm supposed to connect to that no it's 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 just a story and i think right. but i think you would like it actually i think you should see it i it's, the, the bunch of people in the comments are, are convincing me <laughs> it's, it's, it's not I don't, it's not as gritty as you think it is it's it's just um it's just dramatic it's just a serious version of the same right initial story right right yeah same thing but it and you know to your point of making it entertaining um i i, I know when the first show when the show first came out a lot of people were pulling clips from the old show saying like yeah but they did they still did that like the episode where carlton mm -hmm. 
it has a gun. I I know, like I I feel like everybody brings up that one, uh, that that episode or the, or the episode where Will's dad leaves and you know he has that great monologue, uh, at the end of it, and there's another good monologue with Carlton and Carlton's carrying the gun and he just breaks down because he had gotten robbed earlier in the story and he's afraid and and, and you see all these things and and they had to. They had to deal with that. Talk about that. Talk about like right. not only just him having it, but like he's also black and he has it. And now it's it's this. So there were a lot of like heavy topics that that yeah. went on, but it was just in this. It was surrounded by the the bread on either side of the sandwich was very yeah. lighthearted. But in the sitcom version, that is an example of the trope of every single time you have a show with black people, there's a burden of representation of you have to hit every single key talking point, which is what they were trying to do with Abbott Elementary of having the, like having an episode about that, is that they want to introduce a gun into every single black sitcom in some way, even if the characters are not necessarily realistically going to be in that experience. We need to have some sort of a story where we talk about that because that is a talking point within black America today. And I think that's also something that wasn't always the best aspect of 90s sitcoms. They they wanted to tell a story. It it was the burden of representation of being one of the few black shows on TV. And so therefore we got to talk about everything that's important within blackness. We we don't have the ability to just be a silly sitcom, you know? Well, that's one of the reasons why I appreciated something like Sister Sister is that the most of the heaviness stayed within a traditional teenage experience. They didn't go into a black talking point show, you know? Right. Yeah. I didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm processing it now and realizing that that was a lot of those shows, but I, at the time I never even noticed it. I guess, I guess we're all, but yeah, Family Matters had a had a had a gun that episode. One, that um, one traumatized me because the girl actually got shot on that episode. And then oh, there was yeah. the um the hanging with Mr. Cooper episode with the gun. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and Omar Gooden falls in love with the girl from the Power Rangers. And then all of a sudden she uh she died <laughs> at the end of the episode. <laughs> she died. Like oh. there was nothing on Hanging with Mr. Cooper up until that point that ever let me know that Omar Gooden was gonna have a girlfriend that dies. Nothing. We would never expect that. Like, and like there's the grittiness or something like full house tended to be more like drinking or like getting in a car with boys after they are drinking or smoking cigarettes, things like that. Not right. not not like somebody getting shot and dying just so we can learn <laughs> that guns are bad. Like, I didn't need that. And that's the thing, because it was like, who is these show- who are these shows for? Are they- they're, they're like, literally, they know that all the black kids in America are watching these sitcoms because there's nothing else. And they're literally right. talking directly to the black kids as if this is necessary, as if this is all of our reality. Right, yeah. Exactly. yeah. I forgot about that Mr. Cooper episode. <laughs> Mr. Cooper episode. Oh, man. Oh. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> no, you so, thought you thought about that episode, right? That hanging with Mr. Cooper episode. You're, you're, you, you thought about that whole death, right? Like, it just, it's, it's like really, yeah. it's really dark. And then the episode ends with a bunch of little kids, little black kids, like real kids, 
talking about their experiences with guns in their area and hearing gunshots with where they live. I'm like, it became an episode of Dateline. Yeah, like it literally became that. Yeah, I remember they used to do. I I haven't seen it in a little while. Um, I, I think the last time that I remember like a show pulling away to be like, hey, this is actually a problem, is maybe the the good doctor I've seen do this. And I really remember with uh, uh, 13 Reasons Why or whatever, them basically stopping the entire show to talk about, like, let's talk about this for real and we'll have, like, an actual interview with people and do this real thing. But I forgot, like, yeah, in the 90s, they used to do that all the time. They'd have a bunch of little kids at the end talking about, like, whatever. Uh, yeah, have the actors. Yeah, it would be some horrible thing. And it would would end really bleakly because that was the point of the lesson. They got to teach us a lesson. So it's got to just be, so it has to end bad. So right. like the character they, that that, get, that sleeps around gets kids, HIV. They were always giving the kids, like they were chilling kids, scaring them while they just trying to have a happy little sitcom night on TGIF. They like scare, they, they had to do that. They always, they ended, they had the actors come out. They'd be like, if you or anybody you knows is doing this, the, the, the uh, family matters up. So they literally said squash it. It was disturbing to me as a child. I was like, I don't, I, I was just trying to have, I I remember being a kid and seeing Boys in the Hood and not being as traumatized as I was by Family Matters because that's not what Family Matters is supposed to be giving me. <laughs> yeah, this is this is for entertainment purposes. We were, ty- we were trying to take a break. Like, there's yeah. ways to talk about this stuff or, or tell us about this stuff, but still be I guess entertaining or still be light about it, not just suddenly out of nowhere take your very lighthearted, wacky sitcom and just just slam on the parking brake to to stop and talk about something something awful, and it's gonna be it's going to continue to be awful. Um, now it feels like instead of doing that, you have the silent credit roll like the the episode just ends just fade to black and when it comes up uh you just get like white text that says like phone number some helpline number if you or anyone you know now it's just now it's just a title card with with just (laughs) just white text there with a hotline yeah yeah yeah, yeah. hotline number and and that's basically it they just kind of squash the whole like sitting down and talking to people kind of feel of it but i think it's for more or less for the best uh, to to really get rid of those uh to to get rid of those things so let's let's give some recommendations what are are your favorite um entertaining shows like we can nothing too heavy like what lighthearted we said abbott elementary something i guess in the vein of that like, well yeah no i like what, I, I like what are you abbott, watching i like abbott elementary i really do like um harlem and i'm excited about when that comes back out um for the second season i think it starts next month and then um what else is there 
lighthearted. I have to really rack my brain to see what's lighthearted and black. Um, but uh, yeah, no, those two are like the main lighthearted shows that I really, really like that are black. I, I actually appreciate the Miss Pat show. Um, it's mm-hmm. not it's it's not necessarily lighthearted, but it's so black. I mean, it is funny, it, and it usually has just a light sense of humor about itself. But mm-hmm. it, even though it's um, it sometimes goes into darker or deeper or heavy topics, it right. does tend to uh, it's done it's doing it in such a black, culturally specific black, but not having to talk about being black way that uh, you don't I don't personally ever walk away from the show feeling like they were preaching to me or that it ever got heavy. It just felt like if people I knew were talking about these important topics, you know, and I, and I, I, I don't usually get that on television very often. Um, so I really do appreciate those. And then um, there's some other stuff I think that I probably really like. I just don't remember it, but yeah. Are there, uh, are there, so that was TV. Are there any movies any films that you're that you've just seen that are great or are coming out that you're excited for well listen i mean something like meg it was really good because you could tell it was written by a black woman like you can actually tell like she wasn't trying to yes she was writing about white people but you could tell that you can't take away your own experience when you're writing. You could write about mm-hmm. anybody. And I really, I appreciated that film. Oh, it, I see the menu was great. The menu was great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of films recently. So, like, my head is, like, filled with so many of them. But um, most recently, I thought I did see Megan. And I, I actually appreciated what it was because it was just fun for fun's sake. And I appreciated that... Um, Listen, I mean, we need, like I said, we need more uh, black people behind the camera and more black people writing the scripts. And uh, Akita Cooper, who actually wrote Megan, is actually writing a a new, a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. And so that's soon. And she also is working on this other project. I mean, because there was, oh, I did see this film called, um, uh, what is it? I think it's Ma. It's it's on it's on Amazon Prime. It was the most mm. recent um, Sundance winner. Yatu uh, Jasu is the Nick. I don't know how to say her name actually, but her last name is Jasu, and uh, it's a film about a a immigrant who uh, is a. Nanny, an African immigrant who was a nanny to uh, a white family. Uh, and uh, she's uh, working so she can bring her son to America. It's it's called Nanny. Nanny, Nanny. I was like, what is it called? My, my something. Nanny, yes. And I uh, I saw that. I really, I, I respected it. I don't know if I love it, but I respected it for what it was. And uh, I just think we need more stories like that as well that are telling just a wide diasporic experience yeah um i i loved um nanny uh the ending the end got weird but (laughs) but the but the movie was it was good it was creepy it was surreal it it, i i i liked it i liked it a lot i don't know i think it 
I don't think I had high expectations for it, and I think it just kind of surpassed anything that I thought that it was going to be. Yeah, I, Another, I had no expectations for it at all. I just knew that, like, it won at Sundance, so it had to at least be artistically solid, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, there's another movie I don't know if you've seen. I just watched this the other night with my wife. Um, Emergency. It's also on Amazon Prime. And the I, like quick overview of the plot without any spoilers. It's uh, I think it's like three. I think it's three guys. It's three guys. <clears throat> they all live in this college town. There's a bunch of frat houses around them, but they live in like a college apartment off campus. And they are out one night and they come home because they forgot something. So they stop back home really quick and they realize that their front door is open. So they kind of sneakily go in and they're like nervous. And they realize that there is a young white girl passed out on their floor. And her being white is a plot point that was important to say. Um, and the movie just kind of continues on with the experience of three black guys debating whether or not they should call the police, whether or not they should do a few things. But a lot of a, a lot of it comes back to, well, we're black, so we probably shouldn't do that, or we can't do that, or we can't mm -hmm. do whatever. And I think it was a good, uh, good film that kind of does what we were just talking about. It's a comedy. It's a dark comedy. It's pretty funny the majority of the time that it's doing what it's doing. It's trying to be funny. It is very funny. Um, and then when it has its serious moments, it it takes you there. Let you sit in it and then pulls you back out and goes okay we're gonna we're gonna keep being funny um we wanted you to see that and then we're gonna come back and keep being you know keep be lighthearted. it kind of made me think of like that that old like saying like laugh because you have to like there's nothing else that you can do like just <laughs> just laugh at the situation yeah but it's a good film if you haven't got a chance to check it out. It's like Hangover, but racially charged as black and brown people. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good comparison. It's, yeah, it's like The Hangover, uh, except it's with uh, black and brown people, and that's a plot point. Okay. Uh, a lot of the, it's it's one of those downhill kind of movies, you know what I mean? Like one bad thing happens and then it's just like a bunch of bad stuff happens because that one right. bad thing happened. Right. There's just the rest of the movies, them trying to play catch up, to, 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 but they keep digging themselves deeper. Yeah, so it's that, it's that kind of film. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a banner for it. Like I saw them promoting it a little bit. So. Oh, yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely check it out. Um, but that would be, I guess, my my wreck. Um, so just kind of final thoughts with this podcast. We try to give people, like, actionable items, and this might be fun homework for folks. So when it comes to supporting, I know, like, a lot of, especially white folks, like to, to support, buy black, do what they can. Um, what would your suggestion be? Is that going to the movie theater? Is that just watching shows on TV or Netflix or something like that? Is that starting to find 
directors that they like and championing their work. As far as film and television goes, how could somebody support the black community? Um, I guess, uh, and specifically, like, I, I always tell people just like, you have to watch things. So like, look up your favorite actors and actually see what people are doing. Because usually some of your favorite people are always like, well, where are they? It's like, they're working. They're doing, they're usually, there's so much out that is happening and we just don't always know about it. And so I think we have to do our due diligence to uh, essentially find out what's happening and not just rely on the promotion that is not necessarily being given to these projects, right? right. So I think that's number one. And then also, uh, don't bootleg nothing if you don't have to bootleg nothing. Like, like <laughs> actually, like try to like, Please like actually rent the films or watching watch them on stream. Even if like you can watch obviously on free streaming services, but like try to actually get some money into these projects because ultimately, yes, you are helping the the top, but you actually it, it trickles down. And if these projects don't make money, they're not going to make them anymore. So um, right. yeah, so like do your due diligence to actually just really look up what some of your favorite actors and filmmakers are doing and actually check it out. Cause usually people are pretty busy. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I can absolutely agree with that. Um, I, the, the first thing that kind of popped into my head, especially with like Amazon prime and it has that little x-ray feature. Um, I always just like look up even just the directors. Like you go down the list, you see like, the director like what else have you directed or or such and such is the writer what else have you written mm-hmm. um i think even you know support support the actors and support that but you know these are the people creating these stories too like keep supporting their their work and it and it isn't just you know the Jordan Peels of the world there's a lot of black writers there's a lot of black directors there's a lot of people um, find out who those people are and keep supporting their work. Um, yeah. it's, as far as like what they, you know, what, what other things that they try to do, um, uh, that are in this same vein. And yes, 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 yes. Just yeah. rent, just rent the movie. And <laughs> just pay the just pay the three bucks or the five bucks or whatever, man. Just 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 rent the movie. Rent the movie, pay for it, watch it on the streaming service, whatever. But like, pay for it. But honestly, just follow your favorite. Um, we'll follow your favorite filmmakers' careers. Like, just follow the like the trajectory because you'll never know where people are going to end up. And it's so good to actually be paying attention to that and also like when you see something really good and you really like it look up who made it and and actually start researching where they came from and where they're going and or what their mission statement is because so many filmmakers writers all artists everyone has a mission statement and intention Mm -hmm. behind what they're doing and what they want their art to say and it's really good to get in touch with that because the work will feel different when you know who they are yeah absolutely Uh, so we can, we can wrap it up here. I'll let you, let you get running. So again, for people that are just jumping into the live or just repaying attention, uh, say your name, what you do and where folks can find you plug Um, all the things. Okay. All the things. Uh, my name is Anwar Ali. I am an actor writer and I also am an acting coach in Los Angeles and you can find me on all 
I guess all, all platforms at the Anwar Ali. So T H E A N W A R A L I. Cool. Uh, do you have like a uh, like a web like a specific website for the the coaching and all that? We didn't even oh, get no, a chance no. so, to get into that. Well, my my coaching tends to be on. Uh, uh, well, right now I'm actually more of an adjunct professor at different universities. So I tend to just oh, awesome. I either go to the university directly or I will zoom in with a class but um so no but I, maybe i will start maybe i'll co- start coaching people if they want that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah man that's 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 awesome Th- yeah there's a i imagine there's a ton of people that are like i could get uh, i i i need help with yeah. whatever i'm not an actor i don't know anything about acting. Yeah. <laughs> i'm also really good at like um monologue coaching so if you want to like if you have if you want to get in schools or like um grad school like or a bfa or mfa program for acting like i know all the tricks to get you in but (laughs) cool awesome all right well thank you so much for for coming out and being on and hanging out with me it was your first live how was it it was cool it was we good. made it. It was just like talking. It was all right. Yeah, man, we we made it. We we made it all the way through. I'm glad to have you on to uh, talk about this topic because I think it's I think it's really important um, to kind of keep talking about this from a black perspective. So, thank you guys so much in the comment section. Thanks everybody for uh, coming and hanging out, and we will see you later. See you. All right. Peace. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. Uh, Thank you again to Onboard for coming on. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of film and television, and I could barely keep up with him. He's an amazing actor. He's an amazing guy. Please check out his content. It's awesome. I'm going to link it down below. Uh, But a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to support the show monetarily, there are Venmo and Cash App links down below. If you can't do that, I completely understand. Please do leave a uh, comment or a review um, uh, five stars or anything like that and I also heard a rumor that uh, downloading the show actually helps some way so Spotify and Apple Podcasts I know that you can do that but one last thing just remember I love you and please go drink some water like right now stay hydrated alright see you next week <laughs>